Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Goza, founder of Herbert Goza Digital. And our guest today is uh, very unique for a number of reasons. Um, you're going to hear somebody that has been incredibly successful at building up language companies and in Japan. So uh, the reason I think you'll be really interested in listening in today is, first of all, we're going to get a a brief glimpse into the Japanese market, which I think is an area that a lot of people have mm. a lot of interest in, but have maybe less uh, familiarity with. Uh, but the second thing is actually incredibly practical. And it's about talking about these different stages, the A to Z in a, in a way of scaling your business, because each part of your each each stage, and, and usually it's based on, usually it's based on revenue is kind of where you'll find different opportunities, different challenges, and different resources that you'll need. And we're here with a very special guest uh, to guide us through that. His name is Tyson Bettino. He is the founder of Scaling Your Company. It's all in the title. Uh, but I'm actually going to get Tyson to talk a little bit about his experience, because I think once you understand where Tyson has come from, you'll realize that his experience is incredibly genuine, uh, even though he's in this role as more helping other companies get to where he's already been so tyson welcome welcome hey glad to be on the show guys so <laughs> yes i will share my long history in the education field and also with working in large-scale operations in the language school industry Fantastic. Um, my story starts i worked at one of the big four language school chains when i first came to japan uh, they had about 300 schools i believe uh, was there for about 18 months Then I moved south to some warmer climates and I worked as an, they call it an ALT assistant language teacher where you teach in a public or private school, but you are not the main teacher. Hence the name assistant language teacher for doing English lessons to uh, kids, kindergarten, junior high school and senior high school students. Then after that, I worked as a manager and trainer for a company called Interact in Japan, and it is the second largest employer of English teachers in Japan. Uh, at the time, we had about 3,000 English teachers, wow. and a majority of them as full-time teachers. The area I worked at, we had uh, I worked in Kanagawa Prefecture, or Yokohama. And our department of five managers, we managed uh, 600 teachers, 500 of them being full-time. Wow. So we did training sessions where there would be 100 people. Goodness. <laughs> so, and because, and uh, so I know a lot about management at scale, because even if a problem occurs only 1% of the time, it happens five times a month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did that for around three and a half years. Uh, I managed 150 full-time teachers uh, with a team of uh, 12 head teachers. And then I started uh, my own company called OneCoin English with two Japanese co-founders. <laughs> we grew it to about 7,000 students in six years. Wow, that's huge. So, and I believe we are the seventh biggest school in Japan for adults in person. Fantastic. So that was a wild journey where the company would double in size. There's 20 people, 40 people, 80 people. 
160 people then eventually Crazy. like 220 240 people Crazy in the company but because i had experience managing 150 full-time staff it wasn't so hard of a transition for me okay so did that for around six years then i decided that i wanted to learn how to do marketing or also i wanted to learn how to read a or how to make a business plan and how to read a financial statement because i was a director in the company that i founded and I'll see these financial statements. And I'm like, I'm just the HR guy. I know how to recruit teachers. I know how to manage and train. I know how to make a curriculum that anyone can do. But what are all these numbers? So uh, I agreed to create a subsidiary Japanese language school. I built it up to 200 students as of in-person, morning only, beginner only, no test, no business Japanese. Okay. So, Quite niche. But was able to build it up to 200 students in one year. Uh, COVID uh -huh. hit. Uh, probably would have been a multi-million dollar, but <laughs> I've been able to keep it afloat through uh, good lessons and good marketing. Fantastic. Thanks. To, uh, I had I have watched some of Herbert's videos, which <laughs> has been useful in making me a good marketer. That helped me <laughs> grow the Japanese language school. Good to hear, Tyson. <laughs> Then I did that for uh, three years, and uh, my wife wanted to move back to her hometown. Uh, we have a daughter who's two years old, and after working for 60 to 70 hours a week for eight years, eight to nine years, I was like, okay, I kind of want to take it easy. I want to I actually spend time with my daughter. So I decided to step down, move to Hokkaido uh, to colder temperatures, even though I'm from Hawaii. Uh, don't ask me why. <laughs> it's for love. And at the moment, I'm helping about 25 business owners with scaling their business based on my experience in uh, recruitment, management, training, uh, marketing, and running operations for a large scale. Amazing. Tyson, yeah, that is a, a, an incredible uh, CV, even if I kind of say so myself. Um, one of the things that really sort of struck me is, again, you seem to have scaled it at various levels, you know, even uh, you know, with, the, with that corporate company, seeing those huge uh, number of teachers like that's. I think certainly for any of us that are in Europe or in America, we don't sort of see that number of teachers with a single company very uh, under kind of central management. Would I be right on that, Herbert, if you... It's yeah, quite a no, unique uh, position. It is very unique. I mean, there are obviously large language school networks um, uh, out there present in the market, but uh, like an individual language school or, co or company, you very seldom um, see yeah. so, so many teachers, so many staff in, in one company. Scale, there are some unique points. Like uh, we actually have dedicated recruiters who yeah. just hire teachers. That's all mm. they do. Mm. Amazing. And also we have staff who one of their, their sole job is really employment satisfaction. I know that you've got a lot of experience uh, hands-on with this, Tyson, but maybe you can give us a, a really high-level view of what that journey looks like going from almost nothing. Let's say that people are at least have some kind of business that they're building uh, up to something that is, is really kind of quite significant. Do you want to take us through that, through that journey? So uh, in my experience, I have created a very big 
English language school chain, I've created a moderate-sized Japanese language school called uh, Japan Switch that provides online and offline lessons. <laughs> hint, hint. But so I've experienced creating two language school chains. And uh, so the Japanese school, I think, they have uh, two schools in person and one online. And the English school is uh, 11 schools and one online. And uh, for the English school, we actually have several schools that have over a thousand students oh. in one location. But yeah, so kind of my background, so like a big overview is, uh, so I'm actually coaching around, uh, I'll say 13 language schools and I would say two language services, you know, like online services mm. on how to scale their company. So, and I have clients from various ranges and also my personal experience. And kind of the reason uh, it's, uh, I think I wanted to introduce this stage format is I think a lot of people, when they create language schools, they tend to get stuck at a certain stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, based on coaching and advising a lot of people, uh, I'm a member of, they have a very active uh, language school owner forum on Facebook. There's like 600 people in it. Very, very active. Very, very helpful. Uh, and so I listen to what other people say. And so just my experience of all that combined, this is, uh, let's say it's not perfect. I'll probably have to uh, improve the fine tune it over time, but it's kind of my impression of the stages that owners go through and the reasons mm -hmm. they get stuck. And so what and, are those stages, Tyson? Why don't you tell us through, uh, because people will be listening in, what are the, the stages that you kind of define? And, and maybe not al uh, alongside those, we'll kind of go into maybe one or two kind of major indicators that they are in that stage. So I'll give uh, two ways of organizing the stage framework. It's So for those listeners who are in Japan, I would say stage one is probably zero to 100 students. Stage two is 100 to 200 students. Stage three is, uh, I'd say, probably about 300 to 500 students. Stage four is 500 to 1,000. And stage five is probably around, uh, I'd say, probably 2,000 to probably 5,000 or 10. Yeah, I'll say probably 2,000 to 5,000. And so the numbers I'll give, they might not be a perfect, I tried to give this numerical in dollars mm -hmm. just to kind of provide a context for the international audience. But for the Japanese audience, that's, that's how I view it. Like, uh, let's say five to a hundred, maybe 2000 to uh, 5,000, then really like, you know, like 7,000 to 20,000. Uh, but in terms of dollars, I'd say probably zero to a hundred thousand is stage one, hundred K or 100,000 to 200,000 is stage two. Stage three is 200,000 to $500,000. Stage four is made $500,000 to $3 million. Mm -hmm. And stage five is uh, $3 million to uh, $10 million. So let's start with stage one. So what are the likely experiences that somebody has and let's say that they're at the upper range there at least uh, you know again they're not at zero what are the things that they're going through how many teachers they're likely to have what are the obstacles that's going to take them from one to two so a person at stage one it's usually just themselves or it's the husband mm -hmm. and wife team mm -hmm. 
but most likely it's one person. They're either teaching, I guess you could say online, they're teaching at cafes. For those in Asia, they're teaching at cafes, they're teaching at their home or their community center. Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend building your own school at this stage yet. But uh, so usually uh, those are the ways to, uh, those are places you could do it without building your own school, but some have their own school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say the challenge they have is uh, they're doing everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, everything's not done well. Yeah. Right. Meaning, and their biggest problem is probably usually marketing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Acquiring customers from what we've understood as well is like the biggest Boys, hurdle. Mm. <laughs> um, and it means that they they can't get enough students to really upgrade it. And also they also have to have that entrepreneurial mindset where they want to actually manage people as opposed to doing the teaching themselves. Mm. Yeah. That's, I think that's kind of the, let's say the philosophical question, <laughs> life question at stage two. Yeah. And so this stage, I think it's really for people like, you have a full-time job yeah. yeah, and you're just getting students on the side or yeah. maybe you don't want to work 40 hours a week. You want to work 10 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So this works good for you. You could get 20, 40 students and you could, uh, let's say work 20 hours a week and have a pretty fun life. And I think it's also good for some, like, you know, before you get a loan or, you know, really learn how to do marketing where marketing is necessary, you know, just to see if teaching is right for you. And I think the big bias I see here is, uh, I think after people get around 40, 50 students, I think they focus too much on trying to learn marketing. And I think at stage one, it's really, one is, is your lessons awesome? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that should be your biggest focus. Like, is your yeah. lessons awesome? And if your students aren't bringing their friends, and let's say it is possible for their friends to join, then there's probably an issue there. Yeah. So rather than looking at marketing, look at your friend referral program, or maybe look at your teachers. So I think you really, really need to focus on your less lessons. And this could be being just an extremely awesome teacher. This could also be choosing the right niche. So you can use this stage. Should I teach like uh, airlines English? Should <laughs> I teach medical English? I think this is a stage where you really should explore and find what you really like before things get complicated. Yeah. So we've gone from the kind of mom and pop shop in stage one. Um, we're in stage two. So what does that look like now? So stage two, it's like it'll be 100 to 200 casual students or... <laughs> maybe like a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars at this stage the question is to manage or not to manage mm -hmm. and it's so in this it's so if you so i think if you're someone who does not like management you could probably settle around maybe making low six figures or maybe making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. and have a very solid niche and your goal is just to maintain it. Yeah. I think this is also good. Uh, before I talk about like those who really want to scale, I think for people who really, really love teaching and they really want to provide the highest quality lessons, I think this is a good stage to teach because uh, when you bring on more people, you're just going to get frustrated because they're not as passionate or they don't teach exactly the way that you want them to teach. 
And because you can't clone yourself, it makes life managing a school not as enjoyable. So I think if you really love teaching and it really works and it brings you a lot of enjoyment, it might be good to stay in this stage. And another person might be good to stay here is that you don't want any debt. Yeah. You don't want a loans. You don't want to have to guarantee people's salary, mm -hmm. like in COVID or a downturn. You just like having a, so I think if you like having your own fiefdom, you like running things the way you want to run it, you want to decide what you want to do on a day-to-day -day basis, I think this is a wonderful stage to stay in. But if you want to grow your business, uh, you probably have to get a language school. I think it's time to probably get a small location at least. Mm -hmm. If you do want to grow your school, the common problems I see is uh, the owner tries to do too many things that other staff can do. And what I mean by that is uh, maybe about $150,000 a year. I mean, you could bring someone on part-time. You could bring on a part-time staff. And, you know, they could do, let's say, the trial lesson consultations. They could do emails with the students. Uh, maybe they could do simple things like correction. But oftentimes, the reason the owner can't scale to the next stage is uh, they try to do everything themselves. Or they expect everyone to do the same quality of them without training the person. Yeah. And they just expect the person to like naturally just figure it out and be as good as them. And they don't spend enough time training. Uh, the other issue I see is uh, they hire staff who are not able to work independent. So, they're, uh, so they always ask the boss, like, is this fine? Should I mm -hmm. do this? And it just bogs the owner down having to answer these simple questions. And the person doesn't want to, uh, I won't go into details why, but uh, it's kind of often. And the other one reason they don't scale from uh, 100,000 to maybe 200,000 and above is uh, the owner is probably spending too much time in the classroom. They're teaching 25 hours a week. They're preparing yeah. five, maybe even 10 hours. And they're just focusing that on curriculum. So if you really want to get to 200,000, uh, you know, word of mouth works. But it's, I don't think it's going to take you to 200,000, 300,000. So, so you can maintain your situation, but you really need to start getting into marketing. And with stage one and the beginning of stage two, you could use like uh, teaching referral services. But oftentimes the price that you can charge there is not as high as if you charge uh, by yourself. So a lot of people transition out. So that's why uh, marketing uh, becomes, starts to become unneeded. Definitely. So that was a really great um, summary. And let me just see if I can understand this right. So stage one, we're independent. The, the main issues is uh, getting enough students to build enough momentum and, and making an amazing experience to get that referral machine working. Stage two, we're becoming a different person almost, a diff different identity moving from a teacher to the boss. And also all the things that then become with that. You kind of mentioned being really bogged down with details. If you don't hire the right people, getting stuck into this like, oh, I don't know how to manage. Maybe I'm micromanaging. And then that makes you a huge bottleneck because, you know, those decisions can't, can't, can't get made fast enough. And that slows down the business. And then, you know, you have to move beyond sort of that referral marketing into some wider spread kind of marketing. Is that right? Tyson? That is correct. And in a lot of cases, like you might have a friend partner you're doing it with. So you're mm -hmm. both pretty comfortable. But if it's not, if it's just you and you you have hired help, mm -hmm. you know, you might have some problems with retention because you're not a manager. 
Mm. Yeah. Also, because you're not a manager, the person who works for you, they're not seeing career. If you wanted someone who's talented, who can take <laughs> you to the next stage, uh, they're going to be want to be trained. They would like to have opportunities. They would like room for growth. Mm. And uh, but because you don't know how to do marketing, <laughs> your school's growth rate is kind of like it's it's moving. It's moving, but you know, when the other person after some time, they they might start to think. Yeah, you know, I can't really wait three years. Yeah. Yeah. And though uh leave for other pastures is common one. And I think you did a really good summary. And I'd say uh stage one is you're really your job is to be an amazing teacher to students. Mm -hmm. And in stage two, it's to learn how to become the teacher to staff. Yeah. Amazing. Know how to hire uh correctly <laughs> and efficiently. Yeah. And know know how to delegate. I think a lot of people um have a problem with delegating tasks. Um, mm -hmm. because, uh, they, they want it done perfectly. Um, but uh, done is better than perfect. And I always say, if you can hire someone who, who does 80% of what you can do, then delegate it. <laughs> and now we're, at, um, going from stage two, we've somehow figured out how to hire people. We've got some stability on this. Uh, we've got enough revenue to, to feel like we're actually not going to die anytime soon as a business. Uh, we're now going, okay, you know, I'm actually starting to lose some staff because we're not growing fast enough or there's something like that. Now, what's taking me to stage three? And, and if I've got to stage three, what does that look like? What have I done right? Gotcha. So I'll go through the stage names again, but I call stage one, get students now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> stage two is to manage or to not manage. That is the question. And I call stage three is, do you pursue your passion or do you prefer school growth? Mm-hmm. And uh so and it's I'll say about two hundred to four hundred students and maybe uh I think uh, I think it was two hundred to five hundred thousand. So you can probably hire a manager and you might have uh one, two or three locations. Uh, hopefully mm -hmm. not three, but hopefully you have uh one or two locations with that number of students. Mm -hmm. And uh the reason I call it pursue your passion versus grow the school is uh I think I often see language school owners in Japan, they start to pursue a side business at this point. Mm -hmm. And the side business could be, uh, maybe they start making a textbook, maybe they start selling a curriculum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, some, a lot of times they, op they open a cafe or a coffee <laughs> shop. <laughs> Just saying. And it's, uh, it's uh, my, I don't think this applies in all cases, but I think in a lot of cases, maybe they're afraid to grow the school, you know, mm -hmm. it's uh, because every stage you have to reinvent yourself. Yeah. Going from the great teacher to students, to the great teacher, to staff. And in stage three, it's starting to be, you're starting to become the leader. So yeah. first you're the teacher manager, and now you're the leader. And a lot of people, they have, uh, they like to put their, let's say hobbies, uh, Sometimes in some cases, ego, their personality over being a leader. Because, you know, being a leader, it's the eater, the leader eats last. So if you're taking vacation and your staff aren't, you know, are you really a leader? Mm -hmm. And so being a leader really means putting your people first. And if you're not a leader, you know, people aren't going to follow you into stage through four and five. So I see know. a lot of people, they start to focus on a side business. And that's because you can go through stages one and two again. You don't really have to reinvent yourself to get to stage four. You can just make a new business and 
do the stages you're comfortable with. It's mm. not, so I think a lot of people, they're not, they're not aware of this psychologically, but, and it's not a bad thing, actually. It's, uh, it's perfectly valid because, uh, you might be suited more for making coffee than teaching English, but, uh, so that's why I like to call it, do you pursue your passion or grow your school? Mm. And your passion could be, let's say, I just want to be a manager. I don't want to be a leader. Right. I don't. And not everyone's to... cut out, um, or want, wants to take on that responsibility. Exactly. And they might not match their uh, life. So your passion could be business, but mm. it could also be like, you want to focus on your hobby. Like maybe you would want to go, uh, surfing every morning or like mm. surfing like several times a week. So it's not yeah. nothing wrong with it, but, uh, I think. So if that kind of matches yourself, like if you want work-life balance mm -hmm. or hobby work balance with a successful business, I think stage three is a good place to stay because mm -hmm. you have enough money to hire a manager. You don't have, you're not making so much money. You're not making so much stuff where you're dealing with these really weird HR issues. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, in that stage, you're kind of really trying to, well, you're exposed to all these edge cases that you weren't in previous occasions, partly just by numbers, right? You've got high volume of everything, classes, hiring, the systems that got you to that uh, stage three aren't working anymore. So those are the kind of things that are sort of battling and you've got this almost identity crisis of do I stay where I am? Uh, or do I change the lifestyle that maybe I like for a real pursuit of growth as a business? And that will take us, is that what takes us from stage three to stage four, Tyson? It's uh, it's actually, uh, I've seen a lot. So I'll actually go into detail because uh, I think probably most, are, are most listeners you think in this stage? I'm, I think we should go through each of those. I really think we're going to have a spread here. And I think this is the wonderful thing about going through these is people are going, oh, I thought I was That's in this me. stage mm -hmm. by revenue, but actually I'm in this uh, stage by behavior. And so I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm really curious to kind of learn more about the behaviors you see at these stages. Gotcha. So I, I think for this stage, it's people who I think I have to give them credit because I think they're pretty successful actually to get to like uh, $200,000 to 500,000 revenue. That's pretty yeah. good. That's pretty damn good, actually. It's a really solid one shop or solid two shops. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, But the common reasons I see why they can't grow past this stage is the most common ex reason is they don't have a number two who can scale the company with them. So you might have one person, they're very talented, they're very skillful, but they just don't have that number two. Maybe it could be their spouse who's not cutting it. Maybe they created the business with a friend and that person's not scaling. And so oftentimes a lot of companies get stuck here because they don't have that. They don't have two number twos. And uh, I guess I'll give the one coin English example. I created it with two Japanese guys. My job was I've managed teachers and trained them at scale. So they brought me. So I joined the I founded the company with the understanding that I would be making curriculum, doing the recruitment, training, management for hundreds of teachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other partner, he was a marketing expert. Got it. So he handled getting students in the door. My job was to keep them in the door. And the other partner, he was a franchise special. Or like he advised franchises. 
mm-hmm. on like how to do customer service, like how to make the interior nice. And so his job was to uh, make a nice looking school for a f- affordable price. Right. So, and uh, he could train the staff, the, the receptionists, and also just teach him how to deal with students. So we had three people who were experts at the three parts of running a language school, getting students in the door, keeping them in the door and making a nice place for them to learn mm-hmm. running operations. So that's why we had a powerful three. So a lot of people get stuck in stage three because there's just one. Mm. There's just one person and they're doing so many things. And it's just, uh, it's kind of like, I have so many things I want to do, but I'm the only person who can do it. And so like that frustration plus uh, kind of burnout tends to happen because they're having to pull everyone else up with them but in my case we had three of us and we could each pull our teams up by ourselves. so there's not people holding us back whereas in this case and the other one is i do see like there are two owners but there's no clear alignment on vision meaning one one of them they want to grow the business they want to go for one million but the other founder who owns maybe half the business they're like i'm kind of happy where i'm at hmm or the other one is like they kind of treat it as like uh, their fiefdom. Like uh, I'll kind of, it's kind of like, you, you know, you go in your house, you take off your shoes, you put your feet on the, let's say the cabinet or something like that. They kind of treat the school that way where it's, it's not uh, they kind of build the school around what the type of work environment they want. Right. As opposed to just creating like what is a great environment for people in general is a common one that and uh so if you're that my heart to you because that's a hard place to be uh the third one i see at the 200 to five hundred thousand dollar range is uh the owner is they probably have one staff who is doing marketing or they're outsourcing marketing to some agency but that person's not a marketing pro uh they you know they probably can't use three or five different marketing channels they probably even can't do one at a pro level and the other one I often see is uh, they're outsourcing it to some agency. They're paying them like maybe 300 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month. And they're getting, I mean, they're getting their money's worth. <laughs> sure. That's what I'll say. And it's a, they outsource marketing. But, you know, if you, at this stage, you really need to pay more than $1,000. Like if you want to get anyone good for marketing, like an agency, you know, you're going to have to pay like, at least in Japan, like, a month. Anyone doing it for 500, it's, you know, it's, there's probably a reason for that. So, yeah. So you've really, I think really helped us understand how to get what kind of is stopping that stage three to stage four. And if I understood it right, a lot of that is again, that sort of identity crisis um, potentially happening uh, where, you know, do I continue to, to grow, but then, I might be going through some hard times as well because there's that growth comes with letting go of control, which is a very hard thing to do. You kind of talked about this idea of a fiefdom and kind of taking, uh, being okay with the company being bigger than the individual is like a big, uh, I think, kind of crisis moment. (laughs) And I think, and these crises come from not having too strong people. Yeah. Mm. And so letting more ownership into the business, not just, yeah, particularly if there's one founder. Yeah. Enabling some others to kind of take some of the the ownership and the reins. 
Yeah, so with my clients, I advise them that uh, that's why it's stage two. You need to put, you need to choose some staff and build them up. Mm-hmm. And you really need to learn marketing because yeah. when you get to stage three, you can pass the management to them and your focus is really marketing. Yeah. Got it. And making sure the service is great. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you would have to outsource it because if you're an owner and you don't know how to do marketing, how can you know the person you're hiring is a good marketer or how exactly. can you train them to be a good marketer? Got it. And, and so let's say that they've managed to get from stage three to stage four and they've kind of overcome those issues. They've got a more robust ownership structure, not just an actual ownership of the business, but an ownership of the tasks and, and the roles and responsibilities. Um, they, they are kind of, wanting to go to that next level um, willingly not by kind of by force (laughs) and now they're in that kind of above half a million dollars in revenue and um, they're kind of growing what's that what's that fourth level called gotcha Uh, i would say the fourth level let me get my name for it (laughs) these are great names uh, i'm loving i'm I'm willing to wait (laughs) reap what you sow okay versus mm-hmm. more growth got it nice but uh it's still i think three and four there's quite a bit of overlap yeah but uh i did want to mention a couple more things about point three that i see mm-hmm. uh, a common area it's kind of like the number two again but i see people like they hire someone who's pretty good like they're a great six-figure person mm-hmm. but they're, they're not a seven-figure person or eight-figure person and their desire to be a seven eight-figure person is not strong enough to really take them so they bring on someone who's who's good but they're just a six figure level person which is nothing wrong with that but if you Mm. want to go to seven figures you really need to uh bring on the number two who uh you know Mm -hmm. they're going to do anything and everything to get to the next stage and the other one that i see often is uh it's i think it's around two hundred five thousand. they get stuck is uh i think this applies to stage three and four but uh, actually, it's uh, they don't provide clear promotion. There's no promotional system mm. and career advancement for staff. Mm. They don't have yearly or they don't have half year evaluations. There's no differences, uh, performance evaluation. Like what are the difference between ranks? And so everyone's just kind of stuck at like level one manager and no one knows what to aim for. Yeah. And so that hasn't been codified. And so, uh, yeah, for some of my clients who are trying to go for three to four, that's usually a big point we spend three months on is like, we really need to create the promotional system, but more importantly, how you communicate it to staff. And Mm -hmm. more important to that is how you execute it, where the staff trust that the system was built not to screw them over. Yep. Yep. Nice. The last one is... uh, I see in stage three is the owner. They're, they're pretty decent manager. And like, you know, people like them, the staff like them. They're very sociable. They're easy to like, but the question they never ask themselves is, uh, is my staff growing? Like, uh, have they become, uh, are they going from maybe like, uh, can, are they really going from head teacher to manager? Mm-hmm. Like, can you really pull someone up? one stage and so i think they they conflate people liking them to being a good manager Mm. where a good manager is really someone who just brings people to the next level yeah 
So Love they, that point. They, they make uh, they confuse the difference between a friend mm. and buddy versus a manager and a leader. So yeah, and uh, so uh, just some things. It's this is the stage where you start to professionalize, and you either let's say you need one person who's who does reception very very good. You need one teacher who is could be a manager head teacher who's very good at it. And uh, I don't think you need too much online systems to be honest. I think uh, if you do online lessons, you know just. Uh, upgrade your uh, online platform, like learning, like using something like LearnCube. But in terms of like a really sophisticated school management system, I think at 200 to 500,000, uh, as long as bookings and like the online, let's say the learning platform is good. I don't think you really need something complicated. Like you don't really need a complicated LMS or you don't need to have like something like Salesforce or just something that integrates everything together. It's, it's good. It's nice to have, but it's really, is your receptionist staff exceptional at getting new students and signups? Is your teachers really good at teaching lessons and keeping students? And uh, do you have the marketing and are you at least good at one marketing channel before you start scaling to other marketing yeah. channels? What are the marketing channels out of curiosity that allow you to get to that like we talked about referrals as being kind of in those kind of uh lower tiers what do you tend to find are the marketing channels that people use to get from you know three to four and then eventually from actually let's go from three to four because that's probably a, a pretty big step already gotcha. um, for me i think three to four is uh google search ads mm -hmm. uh, the nice. reason for that it's it's not that com or, or never mind i'll say actually i don't want to <laughs> It is actually very complex. <laughs> I would say if, you know, you're at some town or city in Japan with 100,000, 200,000 people, the competition is not that, com com let's say, they're not that sophisticated as mm -hmm. opposed to Tokyo. So that's why I mean, it's, it actually is very complicated, but based on your city, it's uh, it might not be as complex. But what I like about it is, with Google search ads, you're just targeting people who are actively, in most cases, actively searching for English mm -hmm. lessons. Yeah. So you don't need to deal with awareness. You don't really yeah. need to deal with nurture. You just deal with someone who's looking. You provide them a phone number. They talk to your staff. The staff is interpersonal. They sign up. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I think uh, in terms of the paid route, I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, really a uh, Google search ads. Uh, I probably wouldn't mess with display, I think, at this stage yet. So that's, yeah, if I had to choose just one channel, I would say Google, and I would say basic local SEO. So like getting Google Maps, yep. and maybe getting Google search if you're not in a major, major city. Yeah, so owning your geographical niche, if that's mm. up for grabs, um, yep. obviously, the bigger cities, the more international competition there is after those particular students even online as well so yeah. when you're t a lot of your experience has been with in-person schools which makes even more sense that you can really own and you know in a nice way <laughs> but own an entire city um, as opposed to um, if you're online then the kind of niches that you talked about earlier become a lot more important like you're talking about hospitality or others so I thought that was really uh, on point if it's an online school, I would say, I would say probably you have to be the brand. Mm -hmm. So you need to be a period on awesome podcast, like, you know, getting more students. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Other just keeps on coming. Uh, the flattery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PR person, but uh, it's uh, actually I'm very I'm very operational, but uh, I I'm one of the rare people who can do both operations and PR. But, uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, I think if you're doing online, you have to be the brand. Yeah, you nice. have to be appearing on podcasts. Uh, you just need to be doing seminars, webinars. You really need to be putting yourself out there. Uh, you could dabble in, if you're doing online, you could dabble in Facebook. But to be honest, I think uh, rather than trying to get that quick hit, I would probably just really focus on establishing yourself as the brand first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before you start dealing with awareness ads and I agree. really nurturing. I agree. Love that. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting back into the marketing segment and we're going to uh, let's talk about this uh, getting from stage you know we talked a lot about stage three which i think was excellent and by the way the great thing is there's obviously more to listen to so make sure you hit up tyson after listening but let's um with the remaining time we have let's really talk about how somebody is in that stage four uh and then looking to get to to stage five mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So stage four is, you know, really getting from $500,000 to 3 million. And at this stage, oh, sorry. It's a very big step. Yes. It's a very big step. And for me, the, it's a, do you reap the rewards or do you go for more growth? And what I mean Mm -hmm. by reap the rewards is uh, at this stage, you can actually hire a very good manager Mm -hmm. and you could just give your business to the team and just say, Hey, I'm going off to Hawaii. I'm taking Tyson mm-hmm. with me because he needs to go back to his home country, his hometown. But uh, that's how it could work. So I think you can reap the rewards after working so hard. And it's not that the school is kind of like, you know, like trotting on by. No, you can have a really solid operation and pass it to the team and you can really live a comfortable life. Or, Got it. Uh, if you want to continue to grow the business, you can kind of do it. But for me, the big stage in uh, stage four from 500,000 to 3 million, this is where marketing is everything. Mm-hmm. This is where marketing gets complex because in stage three, you could do just one channel very well. So you could do just Google search ads very well. You could just be your personal brand and it goes very well. But to really get uh, 500 to 3 million consistently and to grow consistently, this is where you're going to have to dive into probably three channels of marketing, maybe even five. Wow. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, this is the stage or like one example is maybe you could use Facebook ads or Instagram ads. Uh, the other one is you could use affiliates. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're doing uh, online courses, Maybe you have like 100, 200 affiliates just bringing you customers. Uh, for Facebook, it's an Instagram. It's, you know, are you selling something that's kind of interesting? Are you creating uh, the ads in a creative way that gets people's attention where there's engagement? So the price is, let's say, affordable. And you're getting people to your website and you're keeping people on your website. And eventually after... uh Two to three months of bombarding them, retargeting them, they'll finally come back and join your school. Yeah. And at this stage too, the other one, it's also like your SEO is just, you're a baller. Yeah. 
So in my case, uh, I mean, my, I think for Japan standards, it's pretty good, but like, you know, just having a, or my case, like in my previous company, we, we get around, uh, I think 300 to, f or sorry, 30 to 40,000 people visit my blog. Wow. That's huge. Uh, That's huge. Yeah. Organically. <laughs> yeah. So it's really like you're mastering, you have to master, I think, three channels at this mm. stage. Like, because one, you could do one and it could be working pretty good, but you know, Facebook makes some change. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Google changed their algorithm. And, or maybe like affiliates get, let's say, Google smashes like the SEO for affiliates. Mm -hmm. And so if you rely on one channel, like the previous stage, uh, there's a lot of volatility there. And I think that could really destroy your company yeah. relying on one channel. So you really need three channels. And I think previously I mentioned in stage three, it's really about your brand, like people knowing you. And the other reason I say that is uh, it also provides a lot of stability because even if one of these channels kind of shuts down in a way, uh, people know you and uh, you'll find another way to reach out to them. Yeah. So uh, there's like a permanence there, right? Yeah. And I think for stage three, I should have mentioned maybe email marketing could be another angle. But in stage four, you need three solid channels. That's bringing home the bacon. Nice. And, and then one other, I mean, again, I feel like we could talk a lot more on these and we're only going to be able to glance through them. But what are the major challenges from getting from store four to five? You mentioned marketing is kind of one of the central things. But equally, that implies a much larger staff base. Um, yes. you're going to be hitting HR problems that you hadn't hit before. You're going to be going beyond the the number of people that could fit around a small table to, uh, to more than that. Um, the processes are going to need to be more important. Maybe investments important. Like what are the other yes. kind of obstacles we're going to be hitting at this stage? So I'll say the big one is, uh, maybe they don't have enough capital. Mm -hmm. So one mm -hmm. common issue I see is, uh, the accountants told them like, yeah, you know, just spend, just spend it. Like, let's say, cause if you make income or let's say if you, any, let's say profit, you're going to have to pay taxes. So spend it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies, they spend their money. And when it's time to really like push on the gas pedals, they've already invested it in things that are okay, but not like things that really push the needle for growing the company. So they don't have enough savings mm -hmm. and they don't have enough capital as one. Or the other one is maybe their profit rate is too low. So mm -hmm. they're not able to save enough money or they don't have enough to really make the big investments. Okay. Uh, the other one is, uh, so in, in a business, I think this will be useful for the audience because I think this is a concept that probably uh, most will be new to. In, in a business, you have entry level, you have managers, then you have senior managers or middle managers, or I'll say, or you have, Entry level, you have uh, managers. You could say there's a lower, middle, or middle managers. Then you have senior managers. And the reason that pretty much every school doesn't go from four to five is they actually don't have senior level talent. And what I mean by a senior level talent is a company would come to me and say, like, uh, let's create a $10 million business in Japan. Then I would just say, cool. I, I can make the plan for you in, I'll, I'll make the plan for you. So I, I understand exactly what will go, what entails in this. Or another example is we want to expand our company to Asia, 
and we need to hire a lot of staff. So they'll go to someone who's a senior level recruiter where they know multiple countries. They know all the hiring boards. They know how to create a system from zero to 10. And they just really understand everything or anything and everything about recruitment where the owner, they know more than the owner mm -hmm. about this one industry. And they can take it much, much farther than uh, the owner can. So in our case, uh, we're, we had one case, like our HR director used to run HR for GE Japan. Okay. Health. Yes. So it's, uh, this person is world-class. And so if we're a con company that, you know, wants to go national, mm -hmm. this person, they already know how to do it. Yeah. Like they're well, not learning on the job. So a senior level talent is like, they're not learning on the job. They're not figuring things out. Yeah. They know how to do it. You pass it to them and they make it happen. Right. And so yeah. a lot of schools, it's one is, I think a lot of school owners, they don't know what a senior level person is. And in a lot of cases, an owner, because they have a really good product, like they're really good product person, like their lesson quality is just amazing. Or like people just really love their service. They can kind of get to stage four just through that, but they might not be seen. They might just be senior level at like being a product person, but they're not senior at, you know, like running a company. Yeah. So a lot of times they might not know actually what the difference between a manager and a senior person is. So sometimes they might hire some very intelligent, analytical, but persuasive managerial level person who mm -hmm. convinces them they are better than they are. And the company gets stuck because that person, they don't know how to create the ideal state. They don't know what one thought or they don't know what 3 million looks like. Mm -hmm. So they get stuck there. And uh, so that, also and that yeah. And, and sort of on that, I think we, I might just sort of take this to kind of, I think we're really kind of getting to the, the end of our podcast because I, I think one of the things I'm really finding fascinating here is we could talk a lot more on this stage four and five, and maybe we break that into uh, another occasion. Um, <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm le learning from here is going in that stage four is that the big hurdle is getting the right people to take you to that next level. And once you've gone through all of these stages, this mm -hmm. is your first time to that stage four and five. And what you've told me here, Tyson, is you're needing at that stage, the people that have already been at stage four and five yeah. to help pull you exactly. up rather than you mm -hmm. try and guide, uh, again, other people that are only going from stage one to five with you. So uh, I think- uh, that's And that's kind of what actually, quite a few of my clients that's why they bring someone like me in because uh you're not you can figure it out on your own but mm -hmm. you know it's going to take you years if you're lucky mm -hmm. to figure out everything and make a lot so of mistakes <laughs> make a lot of mistakes so it's uh save your time stop learning through trial and error and i think more importantly stop wasting your staff's time yeah and just bring someone it doesn't have to be me but you know like yeah. someone like me who knows what the next stage is. Yeah. Uh, I can help you with the leadership, the management, and just kind of guide you through that process. So I think a big one is the owner should be getting coaching or mentorship mm -hmm. so they can attract the senior level people to join them. Got it. 
And Tyson, how, just out of curiosity as well, and people will be listening and going, hey, I'd love to learn more from Tyson. And uh, I'm certainly wanting to learn more. It's, it's only from timing that I'm willing to kind of uh, take this maybe to a, to a follow-on podcast. But how can they find you, Tyson? Where, where can they find you on, on your website or some other way? So I think you could type my name in, in LinkedIn. Uh, I think, hope it, or if you could add it in the show notes. Absolutely. That That's great. Tyson, T-Y-S-O-N, Bettino, B-A-T-I-N-O. That is correct. And they can also check out my website, uh, www.scalingyourcompany.com. And I have a lot of free resources. Uh, I have about maybe uh, six webinars I've done for free, like right. on how to scale from 1 to 20, how to focus, uh, uh, quite a few have run, written a lot of blog posts on management and how to scale. So I have a lot of free resources, but yeah. Also, if you want to work with me, you can check out the site and reach out to me and I can definitely help uh, push you through the stages. And I help not only language school, but I can also help with, uh, let's say educational products. And uh, actually half of my clients are not language school related. So mm-hmm. I have about uh, 10 different industries that I'm helping. Amazing. Okay. Well, I think that definitely brings some uh, some interesting different perspectives that'll uh, enrich the experience. So definitely go and check out Tyson's websites. Um, uh, Herbert, where can they find you? Uh, at my website on herbertgerzer.com. And you can learn more about LearnCube at www.learncube.com. And if you'd like to stay part of the Get More Students community, you can go to getmorestudents.org. And you can find more about our podcasts, our monthly webinars, and all the resources we try and provide uh, relating to ideas, inspiration, and motivation for language and tutoring business owners. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.